Yes. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody. This is my third contribution for Hacker Public Radio. We are here at AstroCon 2012 in ATL. And with me, I have Randy from the VUC. You want to tell Hello, me everybody. VUC.me on the web. <laughs> Come and find us every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time. And of course, I'm Sons of Man. And with me also, I have the voice of Asterix. And that is Allison Smith. Hello. I'm actually losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got other people here, too. Around the table, we have Eric Osterberg. And he's yep. way on the other end. You just don't have to yell if he's going to be hurt. I'm over here, so I'm going to yell. All right. And then we've got Kevin Bouchon. Yes, nice job. Yes. yes. There are several people here at AstroCon to learn about Asterix PBX. And most of the listeners of Hacker Public Radio know about Asterix, but for those that are unaware, Asterix is a free PBX communication framework. I like to call it. Maybe I shouldn't say it's just PBX. It's a framework. There's so much more you can do with it. And it's designed, it's very disruptive in the space of telephony, obviously. Uh, allows you to do many many different things with uh, the platform. Built on top of Linux, of course. It'll run on BSD and things of that nature. And it enables a lot of different long-tail types of applications or long-tail benefits that have yet to be discovered. So, without further ado, I just want to kind of bring Randy in to talk a little bit about the VUC and its value to Asterix and to the VoIP community as a whole. So, Randy, go ahead, please. No one has ever had any difficulty making me speak. <laughs> but let me say this about that. We're all very pleased to have Astrocon as a place to meet other people that we like to t talk to, have conversations, and uh, contact over the years. The lovely Allison, of course, whose voice we heard saying, give me the little echo test. <laughs> How does that go? You already forgot. You have successfully completed the echo test. <laughs> there we go. How's that for a sample? So approximately 5.473 years ago, we decided to... Do the asterisk users group, the biggest group in the world, because it was all over the world, on a platform called TalkShoe. You may remember that, Kevin. Well, TalkShoe is still alive, barely, but uh, we have moved to a platform called ZipDX. And the reason we use ZipDX is because it has a codec by the name of... G722? Exactly. We don't have the sound of the bling and the whole sound. <laughs> G722 wideband, which is pretty close to FM radio sound. I told you the other day that I upload, we do a little music intro when we, where we thank our sponsors. And most of the time, if the packet loss isn't too bad, I can leave the, uh, the music that comes through from France, where I'm based, 
to uh, previously was in, actually goes all the way to San Jose from France, comes all the way back to me. So the fact that we're able to converse with the lovely Allison, I have to mention again, and all the other people, the lovely Kevin also. Anyway, did I promise to make a long story short? Because that's one of my key phrases that is a lie. Um, but anyway, that was you asked me about this, so I know you want to know about the, the basic thing happened about five years ago. We changed it from asterisk to the VoIP users conference because... For one thing, asterisk is a trademark, and having you know known Digium and Mark Spencer for many years, we found out that they weren't that thrilled with that idea. So we, and somebody's clowning around, so now we're distracted. So we changed the name to VoIP users. Also, we cover other platforms like um, free something. Yeah. <laughs> I say free something because it's free PBX. Mm-hmm. I'm very confused. I may be the people listening to, because there are all these names between PBX and Switch become interchangeable. So free PBX is actually Digium. Is that right? Or uh, no, no, it's not Digium. Well, but it's somebody based on Asterisk. GUI based on Asterisk. See, so I'm confused, and I've been doing this for years. So, but free. Switch is was originally a fork. Somebody tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, sort of. The guys who are running Free Switch fork asterisk, and I don't remember the name of the other fork, but Free Switch was a uh, from the ground up. It is now a rerun. It's, it's totally it's different. A, it's a redesign. It, yeah. It was. Uh, it's Whatever. it's completely different. Politics in there. A lot of politics. Yeah. Lot but of politics, we don't so. care about the politics. So what we're going to do is just me- I'm mentioning up alternative. Yeah, it's different and it's taken a totally different path, and uh, it's worth mentioning because we have Brian BKW, also known as Next from IRC, <laughs> uh, and so there are other people even at Astrocon, uh, including Brian, and we like to talk about all that stuff. Excellent. Well. I think it would be a perfect segue to kind of mention the enthusiasm and the effort around Asterix as a project. Um, personally, my first introduction to Asterix essentially was through something called Trixbox, which was a turnkey type of distribution, almost like an appliance. Um, you know, exactly. get, a, get yourself a beige box and take your your CD, it's a live CD, it'll boot up for you and it'll basically set everything up. It didn't lend itself to a lot of customization. However, you know, it was easy for someone new like myself. Then I met a gang, a guy later on uh, named Fred Posner, who I probably should call Frederick now that he's a baker <laughs> out there in Florida. But he, uh, with some other guys, kind of, you know, told me that there's a lot more that you can do with it if you decide to get into the command line. And that's kind of what I did. I actually went from one extreme to the next and that, you know, I decided that if I really want to learn about Asterix, I should probably uh, go ahead and put it on the command line, run it from the command line, get rid of all the GUI stuff, the free BBX and all that stuff, and take it from there. So I ended up getting a BSD box, OpenBSD, and install it on there, and then I've been running that at home ever since. Um, and then it's kind of taught me a lot. It's still a lot more to learn. So when I come around, guys, people like yourself, who have been messing around with access as long as you guys have, um, I can see where there's a lot more that I can learn and there's a lot more that uh, is still underneath the, the, the layer, if you will. But tell me a bit more about 
you know, how you first began to utilize asterisks in your life. And everybody here can chime in on that. I'm interested in your particular story about asterisks and what it was it that kind of attracted you to the platform to begin with. So, Randy, why don't you go ahead and start? You know what? I talk a lot, and I've got a lot of other things to say about sure. things that we discussed. So why don't we find out how Allison before – well, everybody will speak. But since we're going around this way – Huh. Allison, and I think it would be interesting to everybody to know how you got connected to all this, because you're not a hacker, you are no. the voice. She's the voice. Uh, I've been called a hack. <laughs> Please. No. Um, yeah, I was approached, um, I think in 2003, by a couple of guys that worked for Digium, and they were kind of out of control and kind of young and hyperactive, and they had me record some really crazy prompts, and I didn't think too much about it. I thought it was just sort of a one-off. And um, probably because I didn't overthink it or, you know, project too much about it, uh, it turned into this great, wonderful, recurring thing where I, I get to come every year to Astrocon and uh, meet an amazing community of people. It's, it's really taught me a lot about generosity, this whole concept of open source. Nobody's territorial, nobody's proprietary, um, everyone's exchanging ideas, and it's just, I don't know, without sounding too sentimental, it really is kind of a life lesson about not being so guarded with stuff and then sharing, you know. Yeah. And you're not going to get into the orange dress and the orange shoes, I take it. So, okay. <laughs> Those oh, orange shoes I'll never wear again. Oh, <laughs> it was a lovely gift from Mark Spencer, but uh, they kill me every year. Yeah. No, they're not successful. Let me move over so that we can get Kevin in on this. Tell us your life story. Luckily, it's a short story. You're not that young. (laughs) Well, my life story, as far as Asterix goes, uh, we are really an end user. We had some offices running Cisco Call Manager, and we're spending a lot of money on maintenance and licensing fees, and we needed something else. And so I started looking at the open source community and found Asterisk and built it uh, and completely replaced uh, Cisco with that. I've since then rolled it out to a couple other buildings, so now we use uh, Eeks and Dundee to... Uh, intercommunicate with, between the two, the three buildings now, so that we can all have you know, four-digit dialing and, and all all of the things that that uh, Astrid will do for you. Awesome. Would you say that uh, people who are listening know what SIP is? Yeah. Well, I think it be worthwhile to kind of explain because we said a mouthful. You said eeks. Yeah, I was, well, I was just going to order to underline because it's, and we're not talking about crocodile, crocodile Dundee. We're talking about something else. So maybe you can expound a little bit. Okay. Well, why don't I start with SIP and not get real, real technical into it, but a SIP is a very well-known, probably the most popular voice over IP protocol that's pretty much a standard for anybody who wants to do voice over IP. It, it's actually more than voice over IP. It's a session initialization actually, you are right. protocol. Yes. yes. And it's because designed for setting up media connections. Yes. And of course, it's perfect for the voice over IP thing, but it's absolutely to set up yes. video. Because it can do video, and it can do text. Uh, instant messaging, yep. yeah, and so on. So it's a full-featured protocol. Uh, Eeks, on the other hand, 
or IAX. Thank you. For some some people who don't know, because it doesn't look My like name the way it's pronounced. Yeah, you say eeks, and people have no idea what you're talking about until they they see the PowerPoint, and then they see the presentation, like, oh, that's what they were talking about. But it is another protocol. It was actually written by Mark. inter asterisk exchange protocol. You are so big with the acronym. Thank you. <laughs> but it simplifies some of the port requirements uh, because the media runs over the same ports as the uh, signaling, which makes it different from, from SIP, but also makes it really nice to interconnect asterisk boxes because they all understand EX. You don't need to poke holes in your firewall either. It makes, yes, it makes it much, much simpler. <coughs> and I forgot the other acronym that I threw around. Dundee. 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 Oh, Dundee. That was right. new to me. I never heard about okay. that. When Dundee is a discovery protocol that is used across SIP or EECS, uh, actually by default it uses EECS, but it can use SIP as well. But its purpose is when you have multiple buildings or multiple Astra service servers with users at each of these, all you have to do is set up your Dundee protocol and now I can dial the extension of a person on another server, and Dundee does all of the lookup information for me and simply connects the call. Hmm. The Distributed Universal Number Discovery Protocol. Excellent. Thank you, because I did not know that one. Dundee will advertise uh, a group of numbers or names or extensions that are available at a particular host, and as machines exchange information, they, they kind of cache that for a short while. So um, I, I want to know, you know where this phone number is, and maybe Steve knows the answer, but I talked to Bob. Bob, This is the way Mark explained it a while ago. I'm not going to do as good of a job, but the, the idea is that this information is shared amongst all the peers in Dundee. So, so is it similar to, say, a VAI service? you know, where it, it discovers what's on the network, or is it a combination of active server or LDAP type of lookup? Yeah, it, it's maybe sort of active DNS, network. but without the hierarchy. The ah, idea was to yes. remove the hierarchy. Gotcha. So. You know the acronym I've been curious about is Chan Dadi. I presume they're talking about a Chinese father. <laughs> what, what the heck so. is that? Jim Dixon started the Zapata Telephony Project. He was a BSD developer who was doing uh, IVR systems, you know, auto attendance and whatnot, in the BSD platform. He designed a hardware card that was relatively inexpensive. Prior to that, it was, um, who's, who's the manufacturer who charged like you know, $5,000 for a T1 interface? <laughs> um, anyhow, it was insane. So Jim, Jim found a way. He's a ham radio operator like myself. Right. And, uh, and a bit of a hardware hacker, as, as well as a developer in BSD. He designed this interface card uh, to make it very inexpensive to connect these telephone lines. And, and Mark Spencer and uh, Jim Dixon got together. Uh, you know, Mark being a Linux kernel developer, and they worked together to get this hardware card that Jim had designed working in Mark's phone system project. Um I guess that's the background for what the Zapata name was all about. Sure. So um, apparently there was a trademark conflict mm -hmm. with uh, Zeptel, Zeptel or right. Zapata, oh, I and so a new name was required. Oh. And uh, 
I think there's it's, an inside they threw it back and forth. Yeah, there's an inside joke within Digium. someday we'll we'll hear another story as to what it really means. But Dottie, I, well, there was something I'm thinking about Daddy, and it was probably somebody having a few beers. But there was, <laughs> there was yeah, I always say Dottie, but it is Daddy, right? That's what it's, cool. Well, you know, it's, they, Dottie is probably the way to keep minds from jumping to dirty thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Eric. Yep. How did Actrix come into your life? Well, I was an internet service provider. Started in 1994, made it a real business in 1995. Things really took off and had a growing business. Uh, we were using analog phone lines for the longest time. We had racks and racks and racks of analog modems and cords everywhere. Uh, and finally, the Celex came into the into the business, and they were able to provide incoming dial tone to us for next to nothing. They wanted the reciprocal compensation that was available from the from the incumbent phone company to the competitive phone company to, to take our phone traffic. So we, we had this love relationship with the Celex. They could give us phone lines for cheap, dirt cheap, and it was a really simple T1 connection. Digital was much faster and more reliable. The, the technology was really evolving. We loved the Celex. But the integrated T1 came along, and that was the idea that dial tone and internet were going to be on the same pipe. Mm. I think the hardware kind of caught up, and that was easy to do with inexpensive devices. Well, for years, we um, were referring all of our business clients over to the Celex that were so kind to us. It was great to move as much business away as we could from the telco company. That was the one company everybody loved to hate. You know, your power company, most people didn't complain. Your telephone company, that was... You know, the most evil vendor that ever anybody had to deal with. <laughs> We're always doing something Still wrong. Is. So anyhow, we, we loved the Celex until they started stealing all of our customers. And we thought, okay, we've got to combat this problem. And we started developing voice over IP solutions. Back then, developing voice over IP solutions meant applying for an SBA loan and figuring out how much it was going to cost, how much Cisco was going to own you for, for using their product. Uh, so we, we were getting started with the Cisco stuff. Um, we found a good deal on some Intertel IP phones to go with the phone system that we had for our call center. And I don't remember which project I saw first. I think it was the Sabata Telephony Project. I knew that Jim was a ham radio operator. And um, I learned about Asterisk, and I thought, this looks pretty interesting. We could probably spare one of our PRI lines if we could afford one of these very expensive Jim Dixon Sapata cards. Um, and we, we installed it, and I thought, now this... It's just incredibly cool. Um, we were dropping more and more of our telephone lines because we you know, didn't have people using dial-up anymore. It was all DSL or, or other high-speed connections. Uh, and so I had T1s kind of coming out everywhere to play with. But as I ditched them, I found that Asterisk was working to route both our voice calls and our data calls, and my expenses were getting lower and lower. And uh, finally, IP phones started to come down in price. And I thought, okay, this is definitely the future. Um, I bought every employee a pair of telephones, gave them an old PC, bought the old uh, X100P analog phone line card, and gave everybody a block of 10 telephone numbers they could take home. And uh, we built this private network, and there was, there was kind of a light bulb that went off and some satisfaction when I made a telephone call to an employee or coworker over a VPN connection on, a, on an IP network that I owned, and I was like, wow, I just made a phone call, and not one red penny 
made its way to the telco. The evil yeah. telco. But it's, but it's, <laughs> it's all not, mine. I run it. It's a phone network. But it's oh not God. about it's not about the money. I think it's safe to say. What was the that privacy? Everybody here. But I I think the word is control and like. Freedom. Most people, freedom and control. If you drive a car, I, I'm speaking for myself here, I don't have a car anymore, but for all those years that I owned a car, I don't know how to fix cars. But wouldn't it be wonderful if you didn't have to find somebody who's likely going to charge you ridiculous amounts of money because you don't know what you're doing? So in the telephony space, it's worse than looking for a mechanic because it's run, and by the way, largely still is run, uh, look at the mobile space, run by these huge AT&T-like companies. So if you, if you, that's right, that if you look at the way mobile works, we're not going to start up a new carrier anytime soon. Well, people do, but it's really hard to do that. So you're talking about these huge powers and how you can be them. Somebody used to say that if you started your, if, when you run Asterisk, you're your own phone company. Yep. And that power, that idea of the control, the freedom, and the power, yeah, the money, you're making free phone calls. Real exciting stuff. And it was when phone calls were, you know, hundreds of dollars to call overseas. Today, Google Voice was kind of the lowest common denominator. You can call anywhere in Europe for two cents a minute. Now, if you go back ten years from now, two cents a minute didn't get you very far. You couldn't even do local calls for two cents a minute, I think. So now the, the price is out of the, totally out of the equation. But if you just, the whole playing with the dial plant goes back to ham radio. Yeah. Why are there sure. so many ham operators in this business? Sure. Because it's another manifestation. I never made the connection. The, yeah, well, we need to get you a license and get you going. <laughs> in our group, <laughs> anyhow, maybe it's because we like to talk. Well, there is that, and I think we're proving that pretty well. So, so, so to this point, we've been talking about how Asterix is disruptive in its telephony space. Now let's go forward another 10 years, another 5 years maybe. Where else do you guys think that Asterix might be disruptive? Where do you see it going next? Well, it was talked a little bit about today when Mark mentioned that uh, it was one of a, a class or something that he stopped by. There were some folks from the FAA that were talking about you know, replacing some of the communications equipment um, with asterisks. And, you know, Mark's first thought is, oh, you're going to replace the telephones. But Jim Dixon, being a ham radio operator, one of the first applications in asterisks was actually a two-way radio interface. Wow. And uh, so the, the thought that the FAA is considering replacing their communications infrastructure with an open-source product, mm-hmm. uh, the ability to do telephone, do radio, do really do anything. I mean, Asterisk has evolved to any form of media. We, we can handle video, we can handle text, we can handle voice. Uh, I don't know what else is there. Am I being Facts. narrow-minded? Facts, transmit, you know, Nothing whatever really cares, media you have, it's it's kind of been adapted to support that. And the, the interfaces just keep evolving. I mean, today there were two, two different guys uh, both approaching the problem of Interfacing with the cellular network, uh, you know, Sangoma has a six hundred dollar card. It's, it's a beautiful card with I'm great, sure it's beautiful. great capabilities. at six hundred dollars, and it gives you, you know, up to four connections. Uh, another guy here has a solution where you go on eBay and you buy a thirty five dollar USB dongle. Um, you know, it's not four G, it's not LTE, it's that old fat. You know, it's all the way from last year. Those things are twelve months old now. I mean, we'll sell them for nothing. And they're doing voice calls and SMS, to, you know, 
all sorts of things with a simple USB interface. If you've got $35, you've got a cell phone inside your Aster's box. Wow. There's, there's also, um, I don't know where you pl- actually place this because I don't do it, but there was a lot with Bluetooth and coming home with your cell, which sure. is connected to Aster's. Com- what is it, Chan Bluetooth or something? Yep, Chan Bluetooth. The, the, well, there were... That's course, there were all sorts of conversions, it's a hybrid solution. You're not oh, doing a carrier. Board. When I played with it, it was simply to detect presence. Right. My my cell phone would look for the Bluetooth dongle and vice versa, and if they could see each other, it would change the routing of my telephone calls. Instead of my right. phone coming into Asterisk and being forwarded to my cell phone, it would come into Asterisk and say, Eric's home, and it would just you know ring the kitchen phone. Mm-hmm. Now, now, one of the things that I've been thinking about, since I'm in the automotive industry, uh, I look at the center stack. You know, when I'm talking about specifically, is I'm talking about your your IP, your infotainment area that everybody's paying attention to these days. Um, you know, we know with Ford Motor Company they have the sync. You know, GM has the the the, the satellite system where they go out and they well, tell you. Star. Um, star. There you go. Thank you. And so my thought is, I believe something like Asterix could be in the center stack. To where you could do things like predictive traffic, you know, you could actually understand and see that real time. Because right now, these what they call uh, virtual messaging systems that you see that tells you you have uh, traffic backed up a half a mile. Your delay is 35 minutes to your next interchange. Yep. To me, that doesn't give me a whole lot of value. I'd like to be able to get that information real time as the traffic is changing inside my vehicle. Okay, then I could then share that information with my buddy who's maybe heading to work some miles behind me. Maybe I could share that with him. You know, because to me, the vehicle is nothing more than a node. All right? So if you, you know, if you recognize fuzzy set theory and what have you, it's all information that can be shared that way. That's just my thought. I would imagine that that's going to develop sort of independently. You know, someone's going to come up with a green light, yellow light, red light or something, or it's going <laughs> to display on their GPS. But someone like yourself is going to say, now, if only this thing could just call me before I left the house. And that's what's going to happen. Asterisk is going to be the Swiss Army knife that connects those two components together. And, and now there'll be this, you know, traffic infrastructure that gets glued into Asterisk. Because, you know, they have GSM radios already in the vehicle. And some vehicles. And so they have it. I mean, that's just the ne- to me, that's just the next progression, perhaps. You know. So my thought is... I, I, I've always called Asterisk the Swiss army knife of telephony. Yes. You can yeah. do anything. And if you're not careful, you'll cut yourself open, but <laughs> it, it, it will do anything. It'll pull out the spoon, the knife, the, you know. There's a Swiss army knife for everything, isn't there? Is it, yeah, I mean, isn't that you, the original... Uh, subtitle of the first book, the Astros book. Oh, it, book. It may have been. I from, think it is. From day yeah. one, at the first Astrocon, I was walking around Swiss saying Army. it's the Swiss Army knife. Um, I also called it the, the building, it's the bricks. You, yeah, you can I mean, build a beautiful a office kit. building, or you can glue them all together and you'll have a great big mess you hope you can bury or something. <laughs> One of the most common uses of asterisk. Uh, Start with a fireplace, then you right. can work your way to an office building, but be careful or you'll have something you need to hide. I think one of the most common uses, the base uses, and how I get into it was a small business. Uh, when you rent your PBX, if you need a PBX, which basically could be thought of as a simple answering machine, you know, just another extension. Sure. Uh, of that, and 
in a small business with two or three people. It's, there's nothing to it. So if you're, if you look at the bottom line of your business and you look and you see that you're paying 50 or $60 a month, when you know that Asterisk is basically free, and even if you need a consultant to install it for you, or if even if you purchase the Digium version, whatever it is that's not free, like the Red Hat equivalent, um, the fact is that it pays for itself pretty quickly. You don't need, especially today, you no longer need so much hardware because you don't necessarily need to have analog lines. That's a, worth, a concept worth going into real quick. Sure. In the old days, you'd had a number of lines. And remember from, for you guys, it'll be like from movies of the 40s or something, but multi-line phones were a big thing at one time. I don't think, I mean, you can only find those on eBay now, and they're antiques. Uh, nowadays, phones are digital, they're SIP phones, so Asterisk can talk to any number of these phones, and the, the nice polycoms that are worth like a couple hundred dollars can do 16 lines. You can have lines to your... Now that you're small business, you've saved all this money. So your small business is now in Europe and Asia. Right. Well, you can have all these branches uh, talking to each other for free on all of your SIP trunks or all of the lines that you're renting, which are very cheap or by the minute. Right. Um, I give a great example of this, by the way, which is that here at the hotel we have a Wi-Fi that's kind of a typical hotel Wi-Fi. It's actually on the higher end. It works well if you're high enough up, then you're in the right place. Right. But I spoke to my wife, who's like 4,500 miles away. We, we talked at three different occasions, three different times a day. It was exactly the same as when we're in two different offices of our home. There was no difference in, we were able to interrupt each other and argue just like we do when we're at home. Um, and that's not always the case because VoIP, if you look back to, say, the free world dial-up days, where you were talking to somebody through a server that was, like, free and cheap. And that routing, on the other hand, would be like, we can imitate it. Hey, uh, Eric, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) What? Eric? And then there's the Are you NAT, still there? The NAT, you know, where you, what's it called? One-way audio? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, full way audio. But I mean, the, I had this conversation today at two different times. It was exactly like any, it was as good, better than cells, by the way. The cell phone, the other expression is that the cell phone is the greatest thing to ever happen to Boyd. Yes, because it's totally lowered lowered your expectations. (laughs) But anyway, that's so the small business can thrive on it, and that's how a lot of this stuff grew. And I think it's one of the biggest things. Asterisk Asterisk eventually became a building block in a lot of bigger projects, but the first use that I know of that was important, besides hobby was the one or two, the two one or two person business to make it look like you were a lot bigger and oh, yeah. to certainly to get the calls make it make it have because your uh, answering machine didn't probably uh, was not able to do closed day open hours closed hours uh, holidays and every little step you take learning asterisk allows you to uh, enter a calendar that knows when Thanksgiving is this year, which is a pretty esoteric thing because it's the last Thursday. I mean, it requires actual calculation. It's not the same day every every year. So stuff like that, those are the old days, but today it's a lot more complicated. Yeah. For for a small business, the idea of a direct dial telephone number was very difficult. Yeah. Even a beginning business would have to be really concerned about where they opened their first office or where they installed the first exactly. phone line because... They're not going to move that phone line out of that neighborhood. That phone number was kind of fixed to that central office. So you you might have 
really large startup costs just to have a phone number that you can hang on to. And the idea of um, a direct number wasn't practical because, you know, would you give, you'd have to install a line for each person who needed a telephone number. And if they were on the phone, well, you know, now where's that call going to go? If it rolls over to the other line, it could be interpreted to be someone else's phone call. It was really quite a mess. People didn't have direct inward dialing at all. At the best case, you'd have to have a receptionist, essentially, who would patch calls to extensions. Or you had the the cheesy IVR that on the old phone systems really sounded pretty cheesy. (laughs) And the, Um, the, the receptionist app? is a part of everybody's PBX these days. Mm-hmm. By the way, you just hit on the opposite, the direct line, the opposite being the toll-free line. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, you were buying these toll-free lines. I don't know the details, but it was very expensive. If you it want an 800 number, line. plus they're running out of them and all that. But today, anybody, I mean, I think I even, I think I have an 855, that's toll-free, isn't it? Yes. yes. So I have a, because it was recent, I got a, a vanity 855. I mean, the point being that the small business, you know, if you're not General Motors, when there was only 800, and they were horribly expensive, yep. and, and, and metered, by the way, I think, yep. uh, there was a big deal. Now, if Allison, you may even have one, if have Allison one. wants, you have a toll-free? One eight five five IVR IVR zero. Did you get that? Say one more time. That's one. Oh, you have an eight five five. Eight five five IVR IVR zero. <laughs> All right. See? But that was a whole other dimension. Yep. So you suddenly your business looks a lot more important because you've got an eight hundred number. I actually have a problem. So when the eight five five you know telephone prefix became available. I, I went crazy. I was on the phone with Aaron, actually, and we picked out, you know, the, the cost to get these vanity numbers. Almost you know, nothing. Was almost nothing. So I, I went through and sort of hoarded telephone numbers. That's, you know, you, they spell certain things, but I don't remember what they are. So I, I, have maybe, <laughs> I have maybe 20 numbers that, you know, again, they cost nothing to to own it, but I don't remember what they spelled. <laughs> they, they became, yeah, the, and in the days when 866, I think, was maybe one of the earlier second choices after 800 uh, was uh, ran, ran out of 800 numbers, um, you could get a free, you could get like four 866 numbers for free based on the two-cent-a-minute rate, which is, which is nothing because if nobody calls you, you're paying zero. Yeah. Uh, and there was a company that went out of business. Gee, wonder why? Because they offered these 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 buckets of eight uh, six six numbers. And then you'd publish them. There's a trap there, of course, because you got too many numbers and you can't remember them or you can't uh, deal with them. The other problem is that the general public doesn't know. It's not obvious to them that eight five five, for example, you have to say is toll free because to some people eight hundred. They maybe have gotten to the 866 by now knowing that that's toll-free. But there's a lot of people who don't know. 855 is about two years yeah. old, I think. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to, to kind of get into um, while we have time. Um, while we're still awake? Exactly. Yes. Right, right, exactly. While we're still awake. Um, the killer app that I like within Asterix is Deza. I don't know if anyone oh, yeah. has used that before, mm-hmm. but um, I like the direct I, inward station, station access. access, right, or system uh, access, system access. access. Yeah. either one. I like the idea of when I'm say, for instance, I'm in Bermuda somewhere. For the benefit of the listeners, I'm in Bermuda at a hotel. 
And I certainly don't want to pick up my cell phone and use Orange roaming, right? Because my my, car- my local carrier is T-Mobile. So if I were to use Orange, they would charge me uh, up the yin-yang just for a phone call, right? So I pick up my, you know, maybe the hotel phone or maybe my cell, and I make the, the first connection to the stateside through my PBX box, get a line out, and then I can make that local interchange. And I think you guys probably would say there's one way better than to do that, right? And we can talk oh, yeah. about that called maybe SIP trunk. Maybe SIP trunk. I got one too. We can, so. we, we can talk about SIP trunk and how that trumps that. Go ahead. So I would, I would do lots of, previously, uh, I would do lots of international travel, and okay. T-Mobile would get $2 a minute plus just for answering an incoming telephone call. <laughs> and it a was, voicemail, you know, right? Yeah. It was great. Yeah, if you wanted to check your voicemail, you were paying that and then some. And it always seemed like there was a hiccup, you know, like they needed me to get two phone calls in. It cost $4 to get a voicemail because you didn't take the phone call trying to save $2. But um, th- that was just wildly frustrating. So in many countries, you can go to the local corner store and buy a SIM and, and put credits on it. And in most developing countries, and uh, not to knock Europe, because I'm sure that means <laughs> most outside the U.S. things are better than they are. How about that? Uh, where incoming calls um, are, are paid for, well, they're free for the cell user, and maybe there's a cost for the person who's placing the call that, that might be a little higher, but it, it's relatively cheap. Um, when I'm on my voice over IP network and, and make my call to Europe, it's, it's sub a penny, but maybe if I'm going to call uh, the cell phone, it might cost me, you know, whole eight cents a minute or something, you know, but wildly crazy expensive, right? Um, so what I was doing when I would travel is I would go to the local store, I would grab a SIM, I'd put the minimum credit, which, you know, in American dollars might be 50 cents or something for the price of a SIM and a credit that would allow incoming telephone calls. And um, I would enable international dialing and I would have an asterisk application built. Uh, I'd have a DID number. If I dialed the DID number, it would just answer a recording. This number is not in service. But if the caller ID was recognized as the cell phone for the SIM I just bought, when I hang up the phone, Asterisk is instantly calling me back with dial tone. Oh, nice. Good old U.S. dial tone like I've got at my house where I can call the guy that I'm working with, you know, at eight cents a minute, maybe 16 cents a minute because we're paying out for two technically incoming telephone calls. Or uh, another neat thing, this is an asterisk capability. I have a second home. Um, I've, I've got a, my partner is staying at that house. And uh, we can call each other and the phones automatically answer. So uh, just like you might yell to someone in the other room, I, I can pick up my cell phone, dial the DISA number. You know, hey, what's going on over there? Yeah, you know, have you checked the mail? It's good to hear from me. I get ready. You know, whatever. Have a conversation. They don't have to come to the phone. Right. Or... I've got a cat who is addicted to my attention. I can call and have a conversation with the cat. cat. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. So we we had a system. Speaking of you know being in a foreign country, I had a system running. There's an application called SMS. I think it's called SMS or Send SMS or something. Because in Europe, in, in much of the world, there's an SMS service that works on landlines. It works on fixed lines and not cells. So it's a text It's text messaging. This never caught on in, this, in the U.S., uh, or very little, if at all. But in uh, France, for example, you can call a number 
and ha send an SMS to that fixed line. And there are phones that will handle them, but because Asterisk can handle it, you can send a command to Asterisk. So you can, for the price of the SMS, which admittedly might be 50 cents, actually, but still, but in Europe, if you sent, like when if I was in Spain, I would call, uh, have Asterisk call the phone booth, for example. So you, you include the return number. It's basically the same thing, except that it's coded. And eventually, I think we even had a thing for email, so you would go to the hotel cyber corner, mm -hmm. send asterisk an email, and it would dial up. This is all supposing that you have a better rate going to you than you're going to get, which if you're traveling, you know, the hotel is... Well, hotels must be the saddest people for VoIP progress. Because between VoIP and cells... <laughs> Well, no one I, uses phones, uh, hotel phones, to call out anymore, yeah. right? I, I remember there was a time, though, when uh, progressive hotels, you know, for an extra $7 a night or something, do you want the unlimited communications package? I don't remember that. Uh, I remember local calls. They, yeah, they were around here. Um, I, I've done that, you know, just for the sake of being able to use sure. the wired telephone, but... That was before I traveled with voice over IP phones. And, and their phones are usually not very... No. They, hotels usually use the really cheap IP phones for themselves, for their inner service, often. If right? they're even IP, they're probably analog. Or whatever so, that's called. I mean, this, this hotel, I'm sure, is analog. So, yep. uh -huh. so yeah, but they're really cheap, teeny-sounding. They're not good-sounding phones, either. Yeah. So if you want a decent so, service... So we, talk, we talked about Eeks earlier. Has yep. anybody ever used the Eeksy? Oh, yeah. I, I used it. Oh, yeah. Can I share? <laughs> well, the early Exe had was it a power supply problem or the actual unit? It heated up, but I, I got it, it I a little on the warm side. Um, well, that was I've, the doorstop Exe. Hit the doorstop Exe. Um, I've, I've had the newer ones. Um, now, Mark mentioned here at the sh the show, and I, I recall this distinctly. He um, took an old. Analog 500 set. So that's the old rotary dial telephone set that everyone knows from Stromberg Carlson or Western Electric. Took an old rotary dial telephone, took the cover off, um, and then inserted inside there a bunch of batteries, a wireless uh, radio, access point or whatever in, in client mode, and an ICSI. Bundled it all up inside the rotary telephone, and it, it looked like a normal phone, but there was just no cord anywhere. <laughs> and you could leave that phone anywhere, as, as he said. You know, we there was a glass elevator in the hotel that we were at the first year, and the, you know, move a little table in the elevator and just place this rotary telephone. It was particularly cool. The Exe um, was one of the few devices that handled rotary dial from the get go. It did. Wow. So most ATAs or analog telephone adapters are set up for touchtone. It registered trademark. The ICSI did company. pulse dialing, yeah. DTMF. Um, but yeah, so it did, did pulse. I um, we were we there was an Astrocon in Madrid mm -hmm. a few years ago, and I had my ICSI with me because it's because it's easier for the firewall work sure. better. Uh, you had to find a phone, so I think I may have brought a phone, a normal phone, with me yeah. to plug into. Uh, but I also used it; that worked beautifully too. It's another hotel story. They had a really good internet connectivity in Madrid. They had a fiber or something 
radically new at the time. No, something there were two hundred people just to fit. There were two hundred people with headsets in the lobby of that Astrocon, and they were all talking on something on on their laptops. But I had up in my room. Oh, they also they had the fixed. They had the Ethernet connector in the room. That's why the excuse was choice. So I just had that thing running, and it was. It just gave me an extension to our office PBX. It was just sitting there. I could receive calls in the hotel and make them. Some, some listeners might realize this, and others might not have thought about it. What's really challenging for a conference like this, when you get this many you know, nerds in one place, <laughs> um, most uh, networks are you know, Class C private networks, 192.168.1.something. So there's 250-something addresses that are available you have a conference like this. Well, guess what? There's you know 600 of us, and we've all brought our iPads and our main phone and our back laptop, and you know just this group needs thousands of IP addresses in order to make the internet work. Of course, we all pack up and leave, and then maybe you know 10 IP addresses is good enough for the next year. <laughs> right. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. So, so the EXE again, uses the EECS protocol or IAX protocol, and, and what was nice about that protocol was that both the media and the control messaging for, for setting up and tearing down a call used the same network port, and really all that matters is that there was a flow from this device to that device, the, whether the port changed by NAT or anything wasn't you know real important, as, again, as long as you had that flow. And you could, from the EXE, make the connection to the Astros box. And once that connection was made, the, you know, the flow continued and everything worked. This was simple networking-wise. But what SIP does is it's a messaging protocol that says, hey, you two devices, why don't you talk to each other? I'll talk in this port and you talk on that port. Um, and you go through any kind of NAT and those ports don't match up. It doesn't, doesn't work. You need some helper along the way to either rewrite those SIP messages to say, hey, we're using NAT and change all the, never mind what it said, you know, use these other ports. And that's where the one-way audio comes from is that that doesn't always work. <laughs> Sometimes you get several devices that think they're smart and they, they don't mix well and you get some really nasty things. So, interesting. You know, the other thing we haven't talked about is the integration of asterisk into web communications, uh, having web pages that have got the ability to dial. Uh, and as I saw in a presentation today, it's it's not just the ability to go to a web page and dial a phone. It's the ability in this one demo that I saw, the ability to place a call and get an IVR. And instead of having this just read back to you, press 1 for this, press 2 for this, or whatever, it can also be displayed on the screen at the same time. So the user can now actually see the choices right in front of them, have the ability to push a button or simply speak the choice that they want, and all of that integration can all happen and still use Astros as a back end to make those communications and make the, the calls actually complete to wherever it is you, you want them to go. Huh. That is a powerful thing. I mean, I actually, um, I haven't done a whole lot of web-based applications for that, but I can see how, you know, people keep talking about, you know, as an example, adhesion. Or is it is adhesion, uh-huh. example? And then there's, I guess, um, hosted solutions like Twilio and some of the others. There's probably another that I've forgotten. Trubo. Trubo. Right. And so those, those, those provide you 
that either ease of access or in the case of adhesion, your build your own, you know, building material type stuff from the ground up and make it work from a web perspective. And I think that's another area where there's still some growth and what have you. But um, as we are probably on the hour, and I see everybody uh, glass eye here, as we continue to consume vodka and copious amounts. There's lots uh, left. And there's lots left, exactly. <laughs> I, think we, <laughs> I, I think we probably ought to bring us to a hope. But before we do, uh, I'd like to say that uh, I'm honored once again to be with uh, all these Asterix folks here. And uh, I'm glad that I'm able to uh, provide a, a show for Hacker Public Radio. And I encourage all of you here to consider uh, providing a show, uh, contributing a show to Hacker Public Radio. Very simple. You can either call it in through an Asterix connection, of course, or you can do as we are here, record it live and then share it uh, via their website or their server, what have you, and contribute to the show. So uh, I thank you once again for listening this evening to our show live from ATL at AstroCon 2012. And this is Sons of Man uh, saying, sign off, and good night, and good hacking. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.